Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dr. Rob Citrenberg, infectious disease expert uh, for Advocate Healthcare. Uh, we've had him on before, having uh, having him on again now on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Uh, doctor, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to have you again. So give us kind of a, I guess I want to say an update, but I don't. I think that's a little bit of a broad term, but for lack of a better term, give us kind of an update as to where we are right now as far as wrapping our, uh, our arms around this a little bit. We're making progress. Social distancing and sheltering in place has worked. It's actually worked well. The rates of community transmission of, of COVID are down actually quite a bit. What we're seeing now is, a big surge in our nursing home populations. But the community transmission is down, and it's down because of what we're doing. Social distancing really does work, and it's worked well. Uh, the problem is people feel like they're not doing anything. They're just sitting at home. Nothing's happening, and they don't know why they have to stay at home. And what we try to tell people is that if you feel like you're sitting at home and nothing is happening, then you're doing exactly the right thing. That's the intent. No one's getting sick. No one's dying. So uh, sheltering places work. It's really dropped our community transmission down quite a bit. The uh, the thought was that as the weather warms, this would then begin to dissipate. Well, obviously out in California where the weather is warmer, that has not been the case. Uh, is that now just strictly myth? I don't think it's myth. This particular virus is part of a family of viruses called the coronaviruses. There's many of them that can infect humans, and most of them are seasonal, meaning that they are worse in the wintertime and they seem to die off in the summer in high heat and humidity. We don't know yet about this virus because it's a new virus. Uh, even if we have less activity of the virus in the hot and humid weather, that in and of itself will most definitely not make the epidemic disappear, though it might make it a little bit easier to contain it if there's less reproduction of the virus during that hot and humid weather could make it a little bit easier for us to make progress. But then remember next fall and winter come around and if it is seasonal 
it might be expected to roar back. So we're hopeful that the weather will help somewhat, but there's really no chance that the weather just by itself will cause this epidemic to recede. Uh, I know that one of the big things that all the leagues are talking about is the possibility of vaccination and testing, and uh, there's discussions of doing I don't know how many millions of tests a week now. Um, First and foremost, uh, as opposed to vaccines, they the the argument is well we got to get testing. Well, that's great, but if you don't have uh, what does the testing do other than verify numbers? The purpose of testing is to identify people who have the disease and then to isolate them and to then identify their contacts who they've been in contact with and isolate them as well too. That's the best way to stop the spread of the epidemic by testing. And we got off to a really slow start with testing in this country. We're doing a lot better now. We have many, many more tests available than we did when we first started. And honestly, when we first started, we could barely get anybody tested. Now we can get almost everybody we need to get tested. Uh, there's another test, the antibody test, that has gotten a lot of publicity lately. And that's not telling us if you have the disease. It tells us if you had the disease. You have, if you've had the disease, you develop antibodies to it. And these antibodies are important because they may tell us you're immune to the disease, meaning you can't get it again. But unfortunately, we don't know that yet. All we know from the antibodies is that you've had the disease. We don't know yet if it protects you against the disease. The studies are ongoing. So if we find out that if you have antibodies and those antibodies are protective, that will have a huge impact on being able to reopen society. Um, the other uh, question I have, uh, they've talked about different vaccines, different companies expediting. Um, you know, I know that originally uh, Dr. Fauci was quoted as saying it probably wouldn't be till February or March of next year. Now we're hearing September of this year. I heard a report this morning that they could expedite, uh, that they've had some real success with one specific one. They could expedite it to August. Do we really know, have a, have a, have like a, uh, a time frame in mind as to when we could be looking at some type of a vaccine for this? To put it in perspective, most vaccines take several years to develop, six years, eight years, maybe even 10 years. In the vast majority of vaccines that are studied, they fail. They don't ever even work. So that's on, on the bad side. On the good side, basically the whole world is working on a vaccine for this disease right now. So we'll have many, many potential candidates. But even with that, it still takes time. It, it takes time First, to establish safety, you want to make sure the vaccine is not harming anyone. And then we want to make sure the vaccine is actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is providing antibodies that will help protect people from getting the disease. And that just that process just takes a few months to several months at least to occur. So I think the original estimates were best case scenario, 12 to 18 months to get a vaccine from the time that development started, which was back this winter realistically, I think we're looking at next winter as the earliest time that we can see a vaccine. We may be pleasantly surprised by an earlier vaccine, but I wouldn't count on it. That would be probably the best news ever to get an early vaccine that works. But I I would be cautious about August or September. That just doesn't seem realistic to me based on what we know about how vaccines are made. The, uh, the, the, Big anticipation is that eventually restaurants, bars, things like that will open up, and then what will those establishments look like once they do? 
So if you're going to be somebody that wants to venture back out into the world, what is it that, that you would recommend? I mean, I've heard uh, the masks, obviously, they say for people that don't feel well or have had it or have it, you know, obviously wear a mask. Others say if you are, are healthy, you shouldn't wear a mask because then touching your face, there's a false sense of security, plus it's keeping some of the, the bacteria that's on you or the virus that's on you on your face continuously if you're using the same mask. So you, you, you tell us. Well, the masking issue is interesting. Masks really, the, the benefit of the mask is to protect other people from you. Let's say you have the virus and you don't have any symptoms, you don't even know you have it, and you put a mask on, that will help other people from catching it from you rather than you catching it from somebody else. So the masking is only really effective if everybody wears one. The way I like to think about it is that masks, don't protect each of us. They protect all of us. If we all wear masks, then we could, we won't transmit the virus to somebody else. But I think that when we re-enter society, there's going to be a new normal. And the new normal, at least for the foreseeable future, is going to include masking. It's going to include social distancing. So even when restaurants and bars open up, we'll expect that restaurants will not operate at full capacity. The tables will be spread apart. People will be expected to wear masks except when they're eating. So we're going to see a lot of changes as a result of this. Even when places open up, it's not going to be business as usual as we've been accustomed to. Now, eventually, perhaps after we get a vaccine and we're able to really wrap ourselves around this virus and eradicate it, then we can resume life as we know it. But for the foreseeable future, even when things open up, expect some changes based on, on what we know about how to prevent the virus. Uh, another question, when these leagues open back up, one of the things the leagues have said is they don't want to be looked at as having preferential treatment because of testing and, and such. But, you know, I, I guess my question becomes, if a league has a player or players that test positive, then what? Do you shut it all down again? Do you just quarantine those particular players? Uh, you know, will they have additional tests for the players that are around them? Um, you know, I, and, and are those tests, would those tests then be set aside strictly for Major League Baseball and, and the NBA? And you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it seems like some people are getting angry that sports might be coming back and others are saying we need it to come back just strictly for the morale of the country. You know, those are great questions. I'm a little bit skeptical about some of the plans, particularly from baseball to open up so quickly. You, you raise a very good point that there's still a limited number of tests that we have to use in this country, and many people feel like using them on professional athletes is not the best use, especially because they would have to be tested maybe a few times a week, not just once, but several times a week, and that would use up a large number of tests that might be better used somewhere else. So that's the argument against it. Uh, it's also very difficult to quarantine players. If you think about it, even if you don't have fans, you've got players, managers, coaches, umpires, TV crews, stadium crews. Those people are all going home to their families after the game, and then they're coming back the next day. So it's really impossible to quarantine that whole crowd. There could be a couple of thousand people that you that are at risk for getting the disease and bringing it back into the stadium. And I think that if a single player or coach or person at that stadium turns positive i don't think you have any choice but to shut it down it's kind of exactly what happened in the nba as soon as there was a player who tested positive they shut the league down immediately and i don't know that you could uh do anything else other than shut it down once you have a positive player 
when when would you just your own opinion when would you feel safe starting leagues back because obviously we're going to do this without fans for uh, for the time being but when would you feel safe uh if you had to say i'm going to go ahead and tell these leagues that they could go ahead and start back up when would you feel safe the hardest part about it is setting an arbitrary date the the, the best way to do it is to say okay when our disease burden is down a lot let's say for example we've got declining numbers of cases for 14 days in a row then we're we're satisfied that the that the epidemic is under better control then you can open it up the problem is that just to reopen baseball requires a lot of advanced planning so you, you they're stuck by giving an arbitrary date but we don't know what the situation is going to be with the virus around July 4th when they're planning to reopen so it's very tricky Maybe it will work out okay. Maybe we'll have declining numbers of cases around the country by then. But we don't know. And that's that's really the, the problem here in Illinois. The governor has been monitoring the situation daily and is, is looking at those numbers to determine when to open things up rather than creating an arbitrary date. So it's definitely tricky to know to know when to do it. The other thing is that there's a lot of regional variation in the number of cases. Some areas like where I live in Chicago is extremely hard hit. There's other parts of the country where hardly have any cases at all. So it's it may be like a one size does not fit all in terms of reopening sports. You might be able to do it better in areas that aren't hard hit, and it might be very difficult to do in big cities where there's a lot of disease. Doc, it's always a pleasure. It's great to get the information. I always want to say thanks for joining us because I think uh, it's a lot of hard uh, facts and it's a lot of variables that go into this as far as reopening things. It's uh, Like you said, it's not just an easy date to say, okay, here's when we're going to do it. I uh, always appreciate your time, and we're going to probably you know touch you again at some point or another, okay? That's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank, thanks so much. Dr. Rob Citrenberg, uh, he is with the Infectious Disease Expert at Advocate Healthcare. And he gives you more of the real facts. I'd asked earlier today, who do you trust? Because you hear certain things come out politically, you hear certain things come out evidentiary, and you just don't know what to believe. So I thought, you know what, let's get him back on. We'll do a few facts and figures and and talk about some things that are more real in uh, our, our easier day-to-day usage for our own lives. So uh, anyway, I always appreciate when he comes on. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.